Okay, welcome back to Club Cliché. Uh, I think we've decided <laughs> to go with with Club Cliché as the name. I like um, that. Yeah, good. Before it was called um, It's So Cliché or Movie Cliché, but I think the alliterating, I think we're, yeah, yeah. that's what we're going with. Alliteration is always good. <laughs> yes. Um, and my guest today is uh, Laura Holterbrink, and uh, we're going to be talking about Clock Watchers, 1997, directed by Jill Spreacher. Um, I first met Laura, I don't even know where I first met Laura, but, uh, we became better friends through trivia, like movie I trivia, I'd say. I th- that's how we well, met, yeah. I think, or maybe I, one of your parties. I think I met Victor and then I met you guys after that, like through going right. to trivia with you guys. Anyways. But yeah, so I would, I would show up to these trivia nights and it was, um, hosted in this bar that's now shut down. Uh, even before COVID was shut down, yeah, RIP. And there was this guy who hosted uh, trivia every week, and he did his own questions. What was his name? Malachi. Makai. Makai. And Laura would always be shit talking him like quite loudly in the bar. <laughs> and uh, I, I was him. like, I thought he was fine, <laughs> but you miss him now, don't you? I you do. Miss him. I do miss him. I do miss him. He does it online, but it's not the same. Yeah. Okay, uh, so this film came out in 1997. Um, it's uh, the relationship between four female temps is threatened when a, a new assistant is hired for the position they're all vying for. Um, and that's one way of putting it. Um, it's also much larger than that, I would say. It's, um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's about friendship and connectedness and making your mark and sexism, paranoia. It even gets into paranoia and sort of this cold authoritarianism. Um, so what did you think? Uh, I really liked it. I thought it was going to be more of a comedy, which I think definitely there are comedic elements, but it's like, overall, I feel like there's kind of like a feeling of dread, like, which I think is actually like, really interesting, because it kind of like gets at that like dread of going to a job you hate, you know what I mean? Where like, you make no no contribution, no meaningful contribution. Nobody likes you. Nobody cares about you. Like you're just doing your nine to five and that's it. And I felt like the movie really got that across yeah. of what that feels like. Um, yeah, I really liked it and stacked cast. Yes. Yeah. We will get to that. Um, yeah. It, it definitely takes a turn. It, it has that comedic elements, but um, yeah, it, it really goes into some dark places, which I wasn't expecting. Um, have you ever had uh, any office drama like this? Or anywhere close to this? Well, I did. Um, not like. Well, I mean, I this it did remind me of like the time that I got, I work at an office where um just one day like someone came to work and her computer was gone, and this was like the topic of conversation for like two weeks. It's like who took the computer? Where did it go? Like, did they ever find so anyone? It, it did remind me of no, the computer uh, was gone and nobody oh, was ever wow. apprehended. Wow. <laughs> I know, but it, it reminded me of, like, those, like, small, in, like, insignificant things of, like, how that's, like, your whole life at the office, right. you know? Like, yeah. oh, no, someone's, like, brooch is gone, and this is, like, now what everyone's talking about, like, at all time. Yeah. All right. Um, so, you mentioned the amazing cast. I'll, I'll go through it real quick. Um, Parker Posey, um, and she's just uh, coming off. Uh, a bunch of hit, smaller hits, a uh, little indie darling, basically. She's in Days and Confused, Mixed Nuts, uh, Party Girl, Kicking and Screaming, uh, Party Girl. Yeah, there, there's uh, uh, Waiting for uh, Guffman, Basquiat, a um, lot of hits here. And then uh, Lisa Kudrow, who uh, it's the third season of Friends. So she's in, you know, she's quite hot as well. Jamie Kennedy, who had just done Scream. And then um, Tony Collette, and it's her first American movie, uh, but she had ar- she had already won a Golden Globe for Muriel's Wedding, um, and she had been in Emma. Um, so, I guess my first question is, why did this movie get no love? Why is it no like it's hard? It's on no streaming services. I've barely heard anyone. It's hard to find anything online, anything yeah. about it. I heard about, like, I heard about it very recently for the first time ever, and considering, like, truly, like, all of, so many of the people are so well-known, it is very, I don't know, like, I think, 
And also, like, those kind of, like, indie 90, like, late 90s, early 2000s movies are, like, beloved by a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. I truly don't get it. Like, is it, like, is it just the, like, the big, the elephant in the room that it's about four women and people yeah, don't that, give a shit? <laughs> I mean, that, that must be, yeah, it has to be a factor, at least, because um, a very similar film, which comes out only two years later, uh, Office Space is a huge it wasn't a big hit when it first came out but now it's uh, beloved and constantly talked about and yeah called classic um and and so i did a little research to find out why this might be and i've come to the conclusion that uh the director mm-hmm. jill spritcher spritcher i'm not quite sure how to pronounce that but she might be cursed is what i've found um oh, no. oh, my <laughs> so God. Uh, her, Go on. Yeah, so her and her sister wrote this film, um, and she moved to New York from Wisconsin when, um, when she was um, going to grad school there. And within the first few months, she was mugged three times. And, oh, no. And on the third time, was hit uh, in the head with a bottle and was, like, left for dead, basically, passed out. Um, and has permanent, oh <laughs> yeah, has permanent damage to the right side of her head. I read an interview where she, she said the doctor told her to not get hit in the head on the right side anymore, and she's like, "Oh yeah, thank you, uh, good advice." Um, I'll try that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and so this film was a f- complete flop, and she has to go back to temping after this film, which I find. Oh, no. Yeah, and oh, she God. just sounds like the sweetest person. Um, so, and then after the third mugging, um, she was just sitting in the subway, um, like sitting down, and she just got smacked by a random person, and um, she started to cry because this is like she's only been here a few months, <laughs> um, and then she said oh, she God. she looked up and this uh, other passenger was smiling at her, and it made her remember that. Uh, there's kindness in the world and to me i was like um (laughs) yeah so i don't know if i would have drawn that conclusion (laughs) yeah so i don't know it seems like maybe jill is just a very uh happy person so that's good for her but yeah outside looking in it's kind of tough um and then so she gets another movie it takes her another five years to get funding for another movie and it's another great cast it's called uh 13 Mm. conversations about one thing um it's got john tatura it's got uh, matthew mcconaughey um but get this uh it opens september 10th 2001 (laughs) she she cannot catch a break absolutely cannot catch a break um yeah um uh so yeah let's let's get to the actual movie um so this uh, makes me think that probably the Tony Collette character is probably a little bit like her. Yes. Uh, you know yeah, I, mean? I definitely got the feeling. Like very uh, yes. Sweet and nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it definitely feels autobiograph uh, autobiographical, um, especially since we know that they were temps. Um, yeah. Right. So yeah, as you said, uh, Tony Collette uh, plays a very meek uh woman we see her i thought the opening scene set the the tone really well for the the sort of um cartoonish bleakness of an office Mm. where she's just standing there in this horribly colored um office space is like puke green and she's just waiting there it's um it's it's very much like a little schoolgirl almost like waiting for the uh principal to tell her where to go um i read a a uh uh, review panning this movie saying calling it just a bunch of bitchy high school girls um and i thought what? that was like is that and first of all is that even a negative like mean girls that's yeah. that's a great movie yeah exactly heather's heard of it um, yeah <laughs> yeah but also that's yeah. so that's so patronizing that's just like oh god i don't like it when women complain <laughs> yeah about, and even if their life is shitty they they shouldn't complain yeah, uh, and it, are they even that big of bitches? I mean, not really. Like, uh, they're mostly so. very nice. Yeah, maybe you could say Parker. Um, okay, so yeah, yeah she's I taken guess. into, 
she's taken into this uh, office and um, I just love the, the, the cinematography and um, the whole art design. I thought it, the whole thing is very subtle, but very effective. I found it hilarious. The, the first scene we see of one of her coworkers who we learn later his name's Art and he's sort of creepily staring at her and there's that great shot of him as his head over the the water jug ample like magnified mm. by the water shot. um <laughs> yeah that was good yeah that was a great shot because there was also yeah. like the background of the like yellow or whatever and and then white mm-hmm. and then the water cooler itself also has like yellow and like amplifying the, that looked really it was really cool yeah it's it's very like sparse and not it's a weird looking scene like it doesn't look quite like an office it feels like the surface of the moon or almost but yeah i like how they 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 uh they did that uh because sometimes if you're sitting around someplace where you're at most of your life you can be like what is this weird ass place like where like there are moments like that like there i don't know if you caught it but there's one point where some worker walks by and he just takes a bit of a flower and eats it and walks away <laughs> i must have missed that but that's amazing yeah um so yeah so she's sitting there waiting and this is where we meet her um boss and she's the boss of the temps i guess like office manager and it's um kitty from that 70s show deborah joe rupp um and her name's barbara and she shows her to her desk and um then she immediately starts screwing up her job and we feel bad for her. <laughs> like I thought it was hilarious. Just the first type of the yeah. typewriter, and <laughs> it's immediately already it's already Have a you, failure. I didn't realize in the '90s that they were still using typewriters. Did yeah, you know I remember a thing? having a typewriter when I was like at home when I was a kid in the '90s. Wow. And it, but what, what <laughs> I'm just like, what I was is just so crazy to me that people did not everyone knew how to type. Like now, I mean, you have to type, you know, there's like no getting around typing on a computer. Like, so you I'm know still what I pretty mean? bad. So I gotta say, yeah. Yeah. But like you could get by, right? Like, whereas oh, that for is sure. just a skill yeah. that some people just straight up didn't, like Parker Posey just doesn't know how to type. <laughs> yeah. It's just so funny yeah. to think of like, you know, the idea of not being able to do that right now seems, <laughs> it's just funny how ubiquitous yeah. it became so quickly. Yeah, it's definitely a, a snapshot in time. And it must have just been, this might have been the last, one of the last movies to have that because 1997, we're sure. right around the corner here. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, even uh, in, even in um, Office Space, they all have computers. Everyone's yeah, exactly. Computers, Only two years so. later. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, So she, doing terrible at her job, she uh, retreats to... um. A great cliche, which I always love, is the cool girl smoking in the bathroom. So she mm-hmm. she goes to the bathroom to hide her mistakes, and this is where we first see a little bit of um, Parker Posey. Um, and then Parker, uh, seeing that 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 that's what I like about Parker Posey's character. She started played as this cool, bitchy girl, but in a lot of ways, she might be the nicest person like she yeah is outgoing and sees that someone is kind of sad and will like try uh, like she has her moments of being a jerk but it's definitely but she's just kind of like okay you're with us now you're our friend now yeah you're one of us yeah exactly which is so nice as someone who like knows nobody to just kind of be folded into this group of friends Mm -hmm. and uh she does a another great um Another great thing that I love in movies is the the, the tour guide sort of introducing the mm-hmm. setting and the scene. And um, it starts off with uh, maybe my favorite um, relationship in the movie is uh, Parker Posey and Art, the guy that we saw in the, in the bubble. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Art is, uh, is uh, this weird sort of perverted loser. Um, he's in charge of all the office supplies. Um, mm-hmm. And I love how um how parker posey immediately starts dominating him and yeah. kind of like just calling him a little speak at the devil why aren't you at your desk art i need a pencil holder oh really well we're working here oh i'm working too well act like it i am acting like well let's see you sit in that chair then okay the yeah. clock is ticking we're at work you're gonna do something 
loser and uh, like wh- why aren't you at your desk art uh, i love that <laughs> yeah <laughs> just bully him a little bit yeah and and you can tell he loves it like he's he's yeah. intimidated but and honestly if parker posey was doing that to me i would i'd probably love it as well yeah that's fair <laughs> yeah she could bully me a little bit if she wanted to yeah um and then we meet um Bob Balaban, who plays uh, the boss, and he's a, a a very specific type of nerd, which I feel like gets. I like that they point out how dickish they can be, because usually in other movies he's sort of played as the meek hero, like he's this bumbling mm-hmm. loser, but he just has no time for anyone or anything. It's just so self-involved, and Parker proposes he's secretly doing all his work, and he just never notices. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, then we go to, uh, the lunch scene where we have, um, we get to meet the rest of the girls. Um, there's Lisa Kudrow, who, um, is an actress. Um, and then we have, um, uh, Deborah, which is, uh, has the short, sort of like a, the the stereotypical sh- shitty boyfriend who buys her gifts yeah. uh, whenever he does wrong, and we have Tony the meek loser. Who who would you say was your favorite of uh, these four girls? Um, it's hard to say because they're honestly like, it's a really good like the, all four of them are cast really well. Um, mm-hmm. I guess I mean like it's hard to not. Like, Parker Posey sort of just steals the scene when she's on screen, I feel like, yeah. you know? Like, it's, it, it, it's like, the kind of performance where you're like, okay, well, I'm watching whatever she's doing, so you kind of, like, <laughs> yeah. you know? And she does that sort of, like, mean, mean girl who's, like, you know, who you kind of want to be friends with anyway, really oh, well, yeah. like, in that and in Days and Confused, right? Where you're just kind of like, okay, like, she's really mean, <laughs> but at the same time, like, I would want to be her friend, maybe. Yeah. I would do anything for her, for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I like, uh, throughout this whole thing, um, they're, they're setting up, um, there's little shots constantly of people stealing things, just sort of in your day to day that you wouldn't even notice, like people taking pet snails off a desk or like moving people's mugs around. And I thought that was really smart and how they're going to set that up for later. Um, a little bit more about the girls. Um, Lisa Kudrow is, um, what's her name in the film? I forget it right now, but she is, um, she sort of, uh, I like how she secretly has other, uh, let me check here. Um, but I like how she secretly has problems with other women, like that sort of stereotype. Oh, like yeah. when, whenever, like when they go to the bar and she sees the waitress. Yeah, it, it is Paula. She sees the waitress being too flirty with the uh, male patrons. She's like, hmm, I don't like her. <laughs> or when she, <laughs> <Yeah>. meets, uh, <laughs> when she meets another actress, she's like, oh, I wonder uh, if she's been in anything good or anything like that. But yeah, she she's basically <laughs> playing um, sort of a different version of Phoebe. But I always thought she Lisa Kudrow was great at really expanding the dumb blonde role and d- doesn't make it the yeah. stereotypical. Yeah, she always gives it yeah, a different I sort think, of element. Yeah, I think definitely. Well, Phoebe is like the most interesting character on the show on Friends like because the rest of them it's not like they're bad but it's sort of like okay Joey like likes is an actor and like hooks up (laughs) and a dumbass (laughs) yeah and stupid and those are like that's every single one of his plots but Phoebe like Lisa Kudrow kind of like keeps it fresh and there's always like something unexpected Mm so yeah are you a friend's are you a Friends fan? I've seen it a few. I've I've seen it a couple times. I wouldn't say I'm a fan. It's like if you watch it now, some of it is very cringe. I I but, I, I defend know. it. I think I think most of TV is so terrible that that Friends definitely is in the pantheon of watchable shows <laughs> more than I think probably ninety so percent of other like, things. Yeah, even for its cringe moments, I think 
they're not that much more cringe than I mean I've seen like some of Seinfeld that's just as cringe you know what I mean it's also yeah. just like talking about women about like how ugly they are or not you know what I mean like it's not that much <laughs> yeah. different yeah. so um yeah I mean I think Friends is like like that comfort show right that people just like it's not mm-hmm. going to it's you're just gonna like watch it and it, you'll feel you'll feel warm and fuzzy mm-hmm. yeah but yeah, she does another great I'm, job I'm, I'm, here. I'm yeah. Um, probably the, the one we get to know the least is um, Jane, played by Alana Ubach. Um, but that's sort of by design because she's always on Boyfriend Island. She's always sort of running yeah. off to be with her boyfriend, who's very obviously shitty right from the beginning. We, we learn, I think her first thing is, oh, look at this necklace he got me after he stood me up. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> that's a classic move. Have you ever got anything like that? Yeah. Mm, I uh, I did that yeah. with my girlfriend one time. <laughs> <laughs> what did you get her? I got her a ring. I thought I I just okay. was I said so, I I had some weird moment of being like, oh, I don't know. I said some mean thing, and I was like, wow, that was terrible, and I didn't know how to how to make it up, and so I just got her a ring. <laughs> Yeah, what have I have I ever got? Oh yeah, a guy once stood me up and then gave me like a giant, like a really big, um, like heart shaped um, Ferrero Rocher thing with like a hundred oh. Ferrero Rochers in it. Did it work? Did you forgive him? Um, yes, but he then ghosted me afterwards. So <laughs> I don't know why he why he bothered making up for the yeah. first ghosting if he was gonna ghost again. But, <laughs> hey, I got a lot of chocolate yeah, out of I don't it. Know. So yeah um so they become quick friends these girls and uh, one of the first scenes we see of them hanging out is them at the bar um and lisa kudrow gets um there's this guy who hits on he first hits on parker posey and parker posey shuts him down in a hilarious way and parker posey's laugh is so great after she shuts him down the Mm -hmm. the kind of laugh that lets him know that he's a loser (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I love that. Watch out. That's just icy. Oh, you right. Burns. Ow. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, but then it works on Lisa Kudrow. Um, and then we find out that the, they're laughing at Lisa Kudrow. Uh, I guess just got to stop calling her Lisa Kudrow. I'm gonna call her Paula. Um, right. <laughs> um, yeah. And this is where we see um, the a sort of um, a quirk about um, Parker Posey's character. Um, I guess I should stop calling her Parker Posey as well. Margaret's character Margaret, um, yeah. it, is that she'll look after her friends, but not really fully give them the truth like mm-hmm. she like she doesn't say like oh they were laughing at you she says oh you can do better than him and then later we see yeah, that but with... I kind of... yeah yeah what were you saying well i was just kind of gonna say like i i kind of appreciated that i thought it was sweet like she could have told her like they were laughing at you but that was just gonna hurt her feelings right so she kind of just no was like oh, yeah i I agree. I agree. It's sweet. And even when she even does it to the point where it torpedoes herself sometimes, like later on, Mm -hmm. um, when Paula is asking why they're not a fan of Jane's boyfriend, because um, Margaret and Tony Collette's character, whose name is Iris, um, they know that Jane's boyfriend is cheating on her, but they'd Mm -hmm. rather not do that. And so instead, she starts a fight with Paula instead sort of being like making it more about her neurosis like um yeah I thought that was yeah. interesting and I thought just overall um the the writing that but the Spreacher sisters really did um I thought was great um just a quick note about the the writing I found it very um it's almost like a book especially with the the voiceover I was almost surprised to find out it wasn't a book first just the yeah the yeah what did you think about the voiceover um i thought like usually i'm not a big fan of voiceover i always think of that movie adaptation that says like never use voiceover um (laughs) and it can be kind of a crutch Mm -hmm. but 
And yeah, I definitely felt like that sometimes, but I was trying to picture it without the voiceover and it might've been a little bit too dreary. It might've been a little bit too sad. I just, I don't feel like, I feel like I'm fine with the voiceover if it adds something, but I wasn't really, I'm not really sure like what it really added. Like, I don't feel like it made me understand Iris much more than I would have understood her without the voiceover. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, Other than she's a book nerd, but I I felt like I already knew that, you know? Yeah, like show us her reading a book. Got it. Yeah. so we get some more uh, scenes, and then uh, of them hanging out, and then they go to the this psychic as sort of like they're kind of drunk, and um, and we get some. I, I don't know what the word would be, but the the advice of the message, I guess, of this movie that the mm-hmm. in two two through our two main characters. Um, so Tony uh, or. Iris gets the advice, you tiptoe through life. It, it, don't be afraid to make your mark. And Parker gets the advice, or uh, Margaret gets the advice, the nail that stands out gets pounded down. And so it's, I guess it's about treading this, this line between finding yourself between that. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. I, do, do, we feel like, um, do we feel like Iris took that advice? I think she did. Yeah, I thought, um, I mean, in a much more uh, subtle way, like this movie, we'll we'll get into it more later, but it's, it's very realistic, I thought, and which is funny, because they have such a cartoonish uh, vibe as well. So they do a Mm -hmm. great job of somehow balancing this kind of ridiculous kind of goofy office space, but then making it very real and i think that that's what makes it so sad and scary sometimes is because sometimes in real life i feel like you'll find yourself in situations where it's like is this really happening like this is seems like is not everyone else realizing how crazy this is right now yeah yeah yeah, totally i mean it's very much like okay the first time it happens you're kind of like okay sure and then like um then it keeps happening and snow this like a sort of snowballing effect and by the end you're like wait how what <laughs> is going on yeah so yeah it's definitely like very palpable in the film yeah um so uh it's all going swimmingly and um they're all getting along well and they're dealing with their crazy workplace and then um it looks like another temp uh is getting hired she's mirrors tony's first entrance the way she's sitting there meekly um almost the same character in a way her name's cleo but it it turns out that she is getting um hired to be the assistant which is sort of the the job that parker posey rightly um deserves and has been looking for um Mm -hmm. and i thought that this was sort of a point where um i think the message of the movie where friendship and being nice to people and you know if you see a woman getting smacked on the subway you should smile to her or something (laughs) that uh, (laughs) it's trying to get across but um yeah so cleo is in the exact same position she's obviously this meek loser like um tony was that like uh, iris was um but she doesn't reach out to her and neither does um Margaret and you can you know from the beginning that that's uh, that's going to come back to bite them um so yeah at at this point I thought it was going to be this sort of quirky drama but this is where I feel like the movie takes a turn is when um the coffee money is stolen yeah right. um and I love that it's something so simple like that like um in in office space it gets to these sort of ridiculous heights with Superman 3 and and all right. this stuff but this is much more realistic and just like you said the laptop in your work got stolen um it it puts this haze over the office where um everyone is sort of suspicious of each other and uh it becomes and it's all anyone talks about because <laughs> yeah. like not much else happens in an office right yeah. so it's like all the like topic of conversation of everybody and everyone like immediately suspects somebody Mm -hmm. um and so much so that they call a uh, a company-wide meeting and 
the big the big boss comes down and i love his swarmy like we're a family speech and yeah just disgusting. you know when you know when your boss says that it, it, you're at a workplace that is not like a family yeah yeah um, has anyone has have any of your bosses ever said that to you uh yeah i had that one time but it was it was literally was a family in a lot of ways and okay. i i actually did feel i it wasn't me who stole it but i was i was like i thought this was so shitty of whoever did it because it was yeah it was a restaurant the good fork uh, great brunch mm-hmm. restaurant, by the way, if anyone wants to mm-hmm. go. And yeah, these two brothers, <laughs> um, and they even have their mom and dad like working in the back room. And um, yeah, someone stole some expensive uh, alcohol or something, you know, like a few bottles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they had to have the "please return it" speech. I, I wouldn't. Um, <laughs> but yeah, when it's when it's a corporate office like that, so. Um, and I, I like I like uh, the line that. Uh, Parker Posey says it's like we're not a family that we're we're like corporate call girls basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in my experience when bosses or managers have said that it means they're about to do something that's shitty, but <laughs> but we're a family so you can't really say anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like if it's your real family you can excuse something but I'm being paid to be here. You realize that? Yeah, you're paying me minimum wage. You're not my family. <laughs> yeah. Like when I, my shift is done, I don't think about you. <laughs> or at least I try not to. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. Um, one of my uh, uh, I love in this scene. Um, so Art, the guy that uh, Parker Posey likes to dom, um, has a foot fetish, <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. so everyone starts speaking up about. Um, things that have gone missing like oh some spoons in in the in the kitchen and then some lady's like i keep two pairs of shoes in my desk and one of them is missing and it cuts to art and he's like oh no like he's reacting a little way too harshly super suspicious yeah that was funny that was a little funny throwaway yeah and i but i also like that it points out that there's because it's sort of hinted at that it's going to be Margaret, Parker Posey's character. Um, but like I said earlier, everyone is stealing something. Everyone's got like a little something to hide. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed that part. Um, yeah, right. I can't, Yeah, it is. It is like he- very heavily hinted at because she's like, it's got to be. It's got to be Cleo. It's got to be Cleo. It's mm-hmm. got to be Cleo. And you're like, okay. Yeah, and she is stealing like, things throughout the movie, but like in a in something right. non, very non consequential things. Like for yeah, example, right. she's Not stealing things. arts, um, elastic band ball. ball. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. To, just. To, and I love her, after this scene she goes up to art and she really gets into his personal space and it's like art i have a confession to make <laughs> i've been taking too much white out and he can't even like look her in the eye <laughs> um yeah yeah um so the girls don't really think much of it yet they haven't sort of realized where this is going the sort of dark place this is this the ramifications this is going to have and they go out and they have, uh, they try on perfume and they buy clothes together and um, all this stuff. And then the next um, scene is uh, what I'm going to call the trial of Cleo, um, the the new, <laughs> um, because um, Kitty, who uh, is Barbara, the office manager who's in charge of all these women, um, comes in to tell them that um, no more personal calls. And um, uh, Jane thinks that Cleo has ratted on her. And um, also Cleo is going to fix the copy machine, which is uh, a real blow to Paula because she's been breaking the copy machine to flirt with the hot dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, and Parker, uh, Margaret already hates her because she took her job. And then I love the final uh, denunciation when Cleo walks in and they're all there and she's wearing the exact same shirt that um, Iris just bought. And <laughs> Jane has that yeah, Jane has that great line where she just like pauses. She's wearing your sweater. Hey, yeah. <laughs> 
Cleo. She did yeah. not ingratiate herself with that yeah. move. That that's a cliche that I love. The the always wearing the the biggest nail in girl world is is wearing the same outfit. Um. <laughs> yeah, I remember like unrelated or somewhat related anecdote at my prom like going into the bathroom and one of the like uh, this girl from my year like crying just being like she knew I was gonna wear this dress (laughs) she knew that I was spent all this money on it and then she wore the same dress why why would you even do that because then you're wearing the same dress as someone else well that's what i like that's what i didn't understand in that moment it's like why would you want to be wearing the same uh, maybe yeah. like a dick move or something yeah maybe some know. twisted like, thing like you're hotter so you can uh, oh, <laughs> like outshine them <laughs> yeah yeah so but yes yeah, so it's a major blow when someone has the same outfit as you yeah so i love that that's when they really all turn against cleo is the she's wearing the same shirt as you um uh, the other thing with the stealing, uh, everyone sort of stealing, is uh, I like how for every rule that these temps get um, assigned, like, oh, you got to do the the staples this way or no personal calls, um, you see uh, someone else breaking the rule who works there. But like very subtly, like Bob Balaban is like on the phone with his wife and Parker Posey has to take it right. and stuff like that. Um, yeah, all just great writing, but again, by them. Um I loved um I loved right after the like no personal phone calls is announced, Cleo and um like handing out the memo being like no more personal phone calls <laughs> three exclamation marks. Yeah. <laughs> exclamation marks and memos are always like okay. <laughs> Let's calm down. But like one is already kind of like all right, three in an office memo, yeah. three exclamation marks. Yeah. <laughs> Lane Bennis style. Um yeah. Yeah. So yeah, this I think is the moment that uh, where it sort of def- um, where it really becomes less of this goofy comedy and becomes sort of an indictment of you know working class and uh, authoritarianism and sexism and respect. It really gets dark here. Um, it starts off before uh, we go to Parker Posey's apartment with uh, Margaret's apartment with uh, Iris and. Um, I love the little touches of uh, she works with she she's roommates with um, a stewardess so she has all these tiny alcohol bo- uh, bottles all around her right. apartment <laughs> yeah. um, and some of my uh, favorite lines are in here when uh, Margaret's kind of sad and she's commiserating with uh, Iris and uh, she says whoever thought getting a crappy job would be this hard <laughs> yeah which is uh, so true which is probably even more true nowadays you need a master's degree to make some minimum wage um fuck yeah (laughs) and depressing (laughs) yeah really tough and um and uh right after that is i can sit there and do nothing just as good as someone else's nephew yeah (laughs) (laughs) also a huge truism very relatable very relatable i also loved i think it's in margaret's apartment where she like it kind of feels like it mirrors the office a little bit where she has like one like brightly colored like accent wall yeah sort of similarly to how the office has that one like yellow greenish wall she has that one like like, turquoisey sort Mm -hmm. of wall which like kind of call at least for me I, i i sort of it kind of called back to me to the office which is like yeah that's a good point strange that's a good point because it's almost like uh, you you can't escape the office even when you go home. It's yeah. like still there. Um, and then uh, when they go into work the next day, um, Bob Balaban, who Parker Posey has been vying to like get his approval and get a recommendation for him, he's dead. And um, yeah, that was yeah. unexpected. Yeah, uh, I and did I, not see that coming. Yeah, I, I like that they went there. I like how like. And I like how there's very little cir- pomp and circumstance about it. It's just, yeah, and then he's gone. And and um, Parker, this sends Margaret into a little bit of a depression. And she says, yeah, this is where it gets really dark. And she says some heavy lines like, do you ever feel like you're floating and just not connected to anyone? And, um, and then everyone starts to fall apart, um, like... Kudrow, um, 
Paula's character, she she has she's an actress and she's supposed to always sort of be away on auditions, but um, it's not really. I like how they they don't actually come out and say what she's doing, but it's hinted at that she is not. She's got some other problems, some weird sort of um, secrets. Yeah, I, I it was interesting. Like I feel like the movie leaves a lot of like stuff open to your interpretation of what you think is happening in these people's lives. Like we don't technically know that um, Jane's fiance is cheating on her, but like it's looking that way, and yeah. we don't really know if Paula actually does any acting or not. Like. Mm-hmm. it's it's like you kind of get margaret's opinion or the other people's opinion but you still don't fully know if that's true mm-hmm. yeah we don't even see jane's boyfriend um he's no, always just really. in he's his never... he's always just in his car, in the car. Yeah. yeah um yeah i thought all that was handled so well um and kudrow uh i thought did a great job at it the sort of because um, we've all sort of met someone like that where uh, like you have this idea about them and then they say something and like the the facade cracks a bit and you're like oh okay yeah yeah and uh, yeah i thought she was also i think she was really good at like sort of playing that like a little bit disconnected from reality you mm-hmm. know what i mean with like yeah i'm gonna be a huge actress my my like pseudonym is gonna be whatever something Laplante Clarice. <laughs> yeah terrible like name <laughs> Yeah, like, I'm going to change it legally and stuff. Like, so she's a little bit disconnected from real life. But at the same time, like, when it counts, she's, like, there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, um, Jane starts self-harming herself on the staples of all these forms that they have to do. Right. And she... Yeah, Ooh, I didn't like that. <laughs> yeah, and she confesses to... Um, iris that she thinks she's the thief um yeah that was an I blacked amazing out. moment <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe it was me i don't know i'm starting to think yeah, yeah that was um great. it made me uh, i i recently watched um uh the adam curtis uh can't get you out of my head and it, uh, that's all about the paranoia that um that we're all inflicted with and this sort of self-fear where it's like most of the time things aren't actually happening. Um, and, um, and yeah, it, it really, they, they really go hard with it. And at, at one point, um, because the, their temps and they're under suspicion, all their desks get moved out from cubicles and then they're just sitting in the middle of the room which was honestly like it almost made me sick like it was yeah quite viscerally painful to watch this yeah and yeah and the way it's shot too it's sort of like they're like very much in a fishbowl with like everything else kind of like looking in on them like from Mm -hmm. above a little bit so it's like it's really gives you that like visceral feeling of just being watched at all times yeah 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 it was very scary and just um, great directing by Jill Spritzer, I thought, because she somehow has this tone of like, like you're, it's a real sort of fear, and like you, you feel terrible for these girls, but there's still, she still finds moment of uh, comedy within it, like when everyone's sort of, um, sort of going insane at their own desk, and Parker's trying to fix her desk, and she's like, and the goddamn music. <laughs> I thought that, yeah. that one really made me laugh. Um, I remember I had a, uh, I I was I was like a teenager and I was going to go apply at Shoppers Drug Mart, and I walked uh-huh. in there and the air, just the air in the Shoppers Drug Mart, the way it smelled and and the music that was playing, I I ripped up my resume. I was like, no, I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't do this. Yeah. This was like I used to work at Starbucks and this was like the combination of like just like coffee and milk and then the music that's like playing over and over and over, especially at Christmas <laughs> yeah. when it's just Christmas oh. music over and over. Like yeah. it does like it does a number on you for sure. I can <laughs> yeah. relate very much. <laughs> I worked at um uh the children's place one time, the children's clothing store. Oh really? And yeah oh, and, oh man was it was it was it was so bad we all had to wear headsets at all times and oh, i was the only guy 
and all the the rest of the girls would be like hot dad front of the store or something like that (laughs) (laughs) um oh man yeah wearing headsets is awful i had to do that when i worked at um scotiabank theater good times yeah very nice just our managers Uh, constantly on the headset of being like i see you not working time to lean time to clean (laughs) yeah that's oh god yeah so disrespectful so many jobs you have to have time to kill in your own i work alone now and it's such a blessing it's like yeah i'm still doing my work um yeah um so it all becomes to a head uh for these girls it gets too much and they decide to go on strike for a day like just not show up sort of led by margaret um and um everyone um wusses out uh except margaret and so jane and iris and um, paula all show up and um and probably the most heartbreaking scene um Margaret returns to work and finds that she's the only one who didn't go to this thing and um, has a heartbreaking line where it's sad how people end up betraying each other and for what? And yeah, that's just a really gut punch. And Parker does such a great job because she has, um, you know, she's always Mrs. Cool and you can tell she's on the verge of losing it, but like, she's still, uh, yeah, has that veneer. Um, and just like a so yeah they all sit down and um deborah drove up barbara comes over and uh says that she has to leave and um another great line by margaret is how can you fire me when you don't even know my name <laughs> and i like that that and she said you that can just see it in of, her... yeah uh yeah i like that she went for that instead of like I didn't do anything wrong. It's like you can't fire me when you don't know me. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, you can like really see like uh, then you see like Deborah Jarub's face, and you can see that she's like fuck. I don't know her name. Like I, but she's like fuck you anyway. Yeah, yeah. That was that um, was so sad. I felt so bad for Margaret. Yeah. Um. Great job by Deborah Jarub. I gotta say, she like the. Uh, the precursor to um, a, a great cliche character of that that bitchy sort of uh, bureaucratic uh, type of like wh- what's the character yeah what's the character in um, in Harry Potter the uh, Dolores Umbridge a great Dolores oh, Umbridge oh yeah. yeah 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 <laughs> yeah like right. it's all about rules yeah and her uh, her the art direction is so subtle with her when she. Uh, she confronts um call, uh iris for having a hem out of place and she's like i wouldn't want to have to mm. replace you i hate doing that and her her mug is a big smiley face yeah <laughs> i thought that was funny. yeah so so loathsome she really like plays it to perfection and of course that character would be named barbara like that is just like yeah wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the cousin to karen um yeah exactly it, um and so yeah so margaret's getting dragged out and she all these things so many devastating lines in a row for her thing where she's like let me get my things i have things you know which is connected to her feeling of just floating and can't find permanence mm-hmm. um and um isn't anyone gonna say anything is anyone gonna say anything no i'm not a thief Is anyone going to say anything? Is anyone going to say anything? Is it anyone going to stick up for me? Is anyone going to speak? I have a name, you know. It's Margaret. Margaret, with an M. Take a memo, Barbara. And I, I really like that there's so many moments where um, anyone, especially Colette, the sort of the main character, Iris, um, could reach out and go to, a lot. A, a lot. A weaker movie, I think, would have had some moment of standing up to the bosses and all collective. Mm. 
and we don't really ever get that moment which is i think a lot very more true to life like you margaret is calling out yeah. literally saying it isn't anyone going to say anything and n- no one says anything yeah because you can just see like i mean because this happened right after they didn't like do their protest of not coming to work right and then they come back and lisa's like well i need the money like i can't just do this and you kind mm-hmm. of like it's sort of that sad feeling where you're like i think that a lot of people have experienced at like minimum wage jobs where it's like, I want to say something, but I need the paycheck. Like I can't not have a paycheck. So you kind of have to let it go. Yeah. And it feels terrible. And it, yeah. It really degrades your soul. Cause it's like, Oh, I'm doing this for minimum wage too. Like, uh, um, yeah. yeah and uh, a, a great, another heartbreaking line afterwards is uh, when Iris is reflecting on that. And it's like, even if a person wanted to break free, uh, they could find out they have nowhere else to go, um, which I think, yeah, I, I, I really like that because I feel like in a lot of movies, there's a lot of cliches where, uh, yeah, like I said, where it's just sort of solved by quitting your job and then you'll just go in on to do these things and everything's going to be okay because you stood up for yourself where it's not, life's a little bit more complicated That's not than how that. it works. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. There's so many... One of my most hated cliches is um, something like that, where things are just solved through having a lot of money. Like, um, yeah, right. Yeah, like ma- marriage story. It's like, oh, I'll just, uh, I'll just move to L.A. and have a tenured job there, and you know, I guess things will right. work out. As if that's something that's, <laughs> as if that's something that's available to everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, midnight in Paris. It's like, yeah, I guess I'll just move to Paris, and you know have all these beautiful women falling over 40 year old owen wilson you know <laughs> yeah right uh, and that's Not sort realistic. of the uh, <laughs> yeah and that's sort of the the dissolution of um of the whole friendship uh, margaret's gone and we never get real closure with her um but there's a great epilogue um with um Colette finding out about uh, that Cleo was the thief. We see these great scene. Uh, we see a scene of her snatching something, and um, uh, Iris confronts her. And we we also find out that she stole her umbrella. And we have this great noir right. scene where it's like pouring rain, and they're following around. <laughs> um, and I like that it's almost like she tried to right her wrongs. Uh, Iris tried to right her wrongs by going down and. Um, sitting with her at lunch when she she never did in the first place, and like trying to eat lunch with her, and um, right, yeah, yeah, I thought that was a great ending where it was, you know, there's not much you can do but just try to be friendly to the people around you and make connections that way. Yeah, yeah. and like just realizing also like the other people in the office have no like no time for her so she might as well like try to make strike up a friendship with like the other person who's in that sort of similar boat right like Mm -hmm. might as well try to make the best of it make a friend maybe yeah um so any other notes for uh clock watchers um yeah, I I mean I really liked it. Um, it's it I I found it in what's what was interesting sort of about the ending that I just realized now. So this may be stupid, but it kind of reminded me. I'm sure you've seen Stand by Me. You know that like mm-hmm. it's like that sort of like it's the end of the summer, like almost a coming of yeah. age feeling of like when she has that little epilogue of like and and Paula was moved down to this place and. Uh, down to accounting or whatever and Jane got married and Margaret like was sort of like removed like forcibly and it's like she's the only one left it's kind of like reminiscent Mm -hmm. of how like that's sort of like the coming of age cliches at the end of the summer even like in something like super bad you know like they may be best friends but they kind of like in the end go their own separate ways and have to like yeah live their life on their own yeah Um, that's a great call yeah, the uh, yeah, and Margaret's is almost like the death of the other uh, the other character in Stand by Me. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it really does. Like... Yeah, it's 
it's disguised as a office movie but yeah it is a great coming of age i guess that's what that guy said where it's like bitchy high school it's a great it feels like a school movie in a lot of ways too like the girls sitting at the popular lunch table sitting in the bathroom yeah. alone yeah yeah i mean it is sort of like in a way i don't know if you've ever seen francis ha but it's sort of like that sort of second coming of age right the like okay you may be an adult technically but like you're trying you know like having to figure out how to live in that world now that you are supposed to be making choices of your own and depending on your own like yeah like it's hard to do and you have to do some like sort of a second growing up so Mm -hmm. yeah I, i do feel like there was a little bit of that like some of those cliches quote-unquote cliches applied to like the <laughs> club world. cliche baby let's go um, <laughs> <That's> yeah <right. laughs> um and I'll, I'll say this um is this the greatest office movie ever hmm um i watched a little bit of office space today um in yeah. preparation <laughs> yeah i hadn't seen it in a long time and that movie is like <laughs> I mean, I can see why people love it, but it is, like, not real. Like, that's not what the office, like, what an office is mm-hmm. like. Yeah. Um, I would say in terms of, like, a realistic depiction, I would say that's probably the uh, Clock Watchers is probably the closest. Yeah. What do you think? I, I tried to do, I think I'm going to give it the number one spot, in my opinion. I, I was doing some research. Some other big candidates would be Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, um, mm-hmm, Working right. Girl. Working no, Girl, if you've ever seen that. Pretty solid. That one, Working Girl, even though it stars two women, it definitely doesn't pass the uh, the test because it's all about mm. trying to have sex with Harrison Ford, basically. Um, mm. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah, I mean, who who, who could who could say no? Uh, nine Harrison to five. Ford, yeah. yeah. Uh, right. Big. Right. Um, there's a lot of news ones because I think the news one is really more office space more than other things but yeah for for right. my choices i'm gonna have to pick clock watchers i'd say i um, would say so too like it really it really gave me that feeling of like like some of the shittiest parts of working in an like what working in an mm-hmm. office can be like especially if you're like the lowliest person and nobody gives a shit about you yeah um and some of the, the great parts of of the camaraderie that you can have with other shitty attempts like yourself (laughs) exactly exactly um yeah i would say i would say i i agree i think it's number one for me all right great um Um, okay so (laughs) now we also like to ask uh guests do you have any uh, favorite or most hated movie cliches that you want to air out um well favorite i mean i i love the end of the summer coming of age movie trope that is i could watch a thousand (laughs) (laughs) coming of age movies with practically the same plot and it's gonna work for me every time um yeah it it has such a like that's one of it's like one of the best what more do you need really yeah it it has the such a uh uh a feel of like the bittersweet where you're like kind of crying, mm-hmm. but also you're like, we learned so much and we have friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, and also like, it's actually the, another similarity is the sort of like, um, Chris, the, the like quote unquote bad friend and stand by me gets accused of stealing. And this movie very heavily implies that the quote unquote bad friend, um, Margaret is the one who stole all the stuff. So somewhere parallels, yeah. perhaps. Mm-hmm. That's um, true. So yeah, I uh, that's a that's a movie trope I could watch endlessly. Um, I love. I think this is perhaps something that you also enjoy, which is um, a gotcha moment in a courtroom drama of where the the court the courtroom gets turned like the case gets turned around in the courtroom when the like underdog. Oh, yeah has their like moment of like oh yeah shit yeah this is the the law is sick and yeah Um, it's always like it's always somehow these people on the stand if they just said nothing they could get away with it but they like get angry or something like they get provoked into saying something guilty like like a few good men is probably the the worst example of that where it's like his actual plan is to just annoy 
Jack Nicholson until he admits <laughs> yeah. that he's guilty and it works. And it works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like and and also like um a movie starring Jane from Clock Watchers are starring. She's in it. Um Legally Blonde where she also just kind of like gets this woman to just scream that she did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it feels great. I love it. Yeah. That's how. And, um, and the, the stunned silence afterwards, like, oh, oh no. What? <laughs> yeah. yeah. God, I love a legal underdog triumph. Yeah. Um, that, that's a great one. Um, um, I'll, I'll do one yeah. more. Um, I am tired of the English accent for bad guys or like good guys or mm. or in uh, like in positions of power, e- even within. Um, our own CBC, where it's like, why do we have all these <laughs> British correspondents on the our Canadian broadcast company? Yeah, uh, yeah. People put a little bit too much stock into an English accent. Yeah, like three hundred. And it's never a fun. It's never a fun one. You know, if, I would love it if it was like a Manchester accent <laughs> yeah. or something. It's always like a very serious Oxford sort of accent. Yeah, definitely. Um. All right. Well, uh, yeah, that'll do it for episode two of uh, Club Cliché. Uh, thanks very much for coming on, Laura. Uh, hopefully we'll have you on again. Thank you for having me, Leo. Yeah, yeah absolutely. This is fun. I, you know what? I love to shoot shit about movies. All right. And hopefully we'll uh, shoot shit about, uh, what's his name again? Malachi? Kai? Oh, yeah. Kai, okay. yeah. Hopefully. If he's listening, hopefully I love soon. you. I love you, Kai. Yeah, Mikai, I always <laughs> loved you. I was just joking. All right. Thanks a lot. Okay, thank you.